You are listening to your new puppies podcast, starting you and your dog off on the right paw. Here's your host, Debbie Salento. Hello, and welcome to episode 68 of Your New Puppies Podcast. I'm Debbie, and today we are going to talk about the power of practice. So this is one of those topics where it's kind of sprinkled throughout the podcast, but it's so important yet overlooked a lot that I figured it warranted an entire episode. So what I'm talking about is intentional practice, specifically when we want to change a dog's behavior. So it's the difference between just addressing a behavior and actually changing it. So for example, when I get asked, how do I stop my dog from barking? Most of the time, what's actually going on in my client's head is when my dog starts barking, what do I do to stop it? It's a very, very subtle difference, but it's the difference between changing the habit and just managing it when it's happening. Now, you're probably like, well, duh, Deb, it's called training your dog. That's why we're here. But hear me out because a lot of us resist this and we don't even realize we're resisting it. One, it's because it's where the work is. Of course, we're going to resist it. And two, a lot of times we're not thinking about the behavior that we want to change until the behavior is actually happening. So we know that maybe there's some exercises we can do to stop our dog from barking or counter surfing or pulling on the leash, but we don't think about it until they are jumping up on the counter, barking out the window and pulling us down the road. And the thing is, sometimes management is just fine. For example, if you have a dog that countersurfs in the kitchen and you have the ability to just lock your dog out of the kitchen and you're okay with doing that forever, then fine. Great. Save yourself some time. Just close that door or close that gate. But most of the time, we need more than that. You know, especially if we have something like a leash reactive dog. You know, management involves walking them at midnight when no one else is around. And maybe your lifestyle allows for that, but most likely you're going to want to change the behavior. And we usually think of this when we're teaching a new behavior, like teaching a skill or a command. You know, we start from step one, we make it super easy with those high value treats, and we work them up to doing whatever the behavior is on command. But we don't always think of this when we're trying to change an everyday habit. And when it comes down to it, if we're trying to change our dog's behavior, change an unwanted behavior, which has probably become an everyday habit, what we're actually doing is teaching a new behavior. So we almost need to go through the same type of process. So the first part of this is intentionally setting up controlled situations where this behavior usually happens. For example, you know, we bring our dogs into the living room and we open up the blinds because that's when they're usually barking at the pedestrians going by and we're prepared. We have the treats. We have 
hopefully our patience and all the tools that we need. We bring our dog into the kitchen, ready to train them not to counter surf, whether it's going to their bed or, you know, teaching them four paws on the floor actually gets them what they want. I talk about this a lot when it comes to leash reactivity. We go out where there's going to be dogs, but you can control the situation with that space and distance instead of just walking the dog and reacting to it when a dog comes out of nowhere. So this is the part where we need to think about the behavior even when the behavior is not happening. And the reason why this is so essential is one, we're just going to get more repetitions. You know, the more we show our dog what we don't want them to do and then what we want them to do, the more we do that, the faster we're going to be able to break the habit, right? The more positive repetitions we get and the less negative repetitions we get, the faster our dogs is going to learn something. So if we're just waiting for the behavior to happen, it's not going to be as often as if we actually set up the situation for it to happen so we can then address it. But even more important, which I briefly mentioned, is us being able to control the situation, to be able to control all like the outside moving elements that sometimes we can't. For example, we're not going to try to teach countersurfing in the middle of us cooking dinner. Our focus isn't there. That's where management comes in. Maybe the dog is in their crate while you're cooking dinner. And then when you're able to control the situation and give it your focus, then you bring the dog into the kitchen. The most important reason for this is because we want to be able to set up the easiest situation possible when we start to teach our dog to stop this behavior and do this behavior, whatever it is. Because most of us, we think about the real life situations that we are put in and the way we want our dogs to act and we try to start there. And what happens is it would be like, We want our child to learn algebra, so we give them an algebra test before we even teach them how to add and subtract. And this happens all the time. Again, we don't even realize that we're doing it. Not too long ago, I had a client. She wanted to stop her dog from barking at everybody who walked into her house. The doorbell rings, the dog would start barking, wouldn't stop until this person was in the house and she could calm the dog down. So... I had a family member go outside and ring the doorbell and come into the door a few times. And of course the dog did really well, And I, but I saw my client starting to get a little impatient. And finally she just asked, she's like, well, of course she's not gonna bark now because she knows who it is. But what happens when I have a guest come that she doesn't know, that's when she really barks. And yes, totally true, but, We have to start in this super easy situation. If you want her to stand behind this line quietly while we open the door and let somebody in, we have to do it when she's in a calmer state of mind, which is when it's just her family member and she knows it. So she doesn't really care to greet them. So when there is a stranger that comes over, at least she's already done that behavior before. So many times we want to start at like step eight when we haven't even practiced at step one. This can be as simple as when you're teaching your dog leash manners, you walk them around your living room on a leash. It's less exciting, less stimulating, less distractions. And then you bring them out in your backyard. And then you try to bring them out on the road. When you have a leash reactive dog, 
This is when you go out when it's a little less busy out to work on it. You don't go to a park on a sunny Saturday afternoon. You go on a rainy Tuesday morning when you know there's going to be less people and less dogs, but enough, so maybe it's not raining, but enough where you know you'll be able to work on the behavior, but it's going to be easier to get the behavior out of your dog. Because first they have to learn it at step one, level one, before they'll ever be able to do level two, three, four, all the way up to level 10, which is probably the situation you're really wanting to fix. So now you're like, well, duh, Deb, I know all of this. But I think what happens that in the moment, we're so desperate for that easy button that that need or want for it overrides this knowledge that we have. We, we so desperately want to hope that it's not this work, it's not this process, which most of the time it is. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's a super easy fix. But if you think about all the most common problems, which I've talked about throughout this episode, the barking, the countersurfing, the leash pulling, the leash reactivity, digging, all of those things are the most common dog problems. If they were easy to fix then they wouldn't be the most common problems, okay? So this episode was more to give you a little bit of a mind shift and reminder about what it takes and where expectations should be when we want to change an unwanted behavior. And that is all I have for you today. If you are enjoying this podcast, you can rate and review it wherever you listen, and that can help other puppy owners find the podcast. If you would like to continue working with me, you can check out my website at playtimepause.com. I have both in-person and virtual sessions. And of course, my four-week new puppy course, Your Perfect Puppy, where you get four weeks of video lessons plus 12 months access to me to ask all of your training questions. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be speaking with you soon. Bye for now.